The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today, George Meridian, nominated for an Emmy Award for four consecutive years, has enjoyed a career in film and television for some 30 years, talks to his life behind the camera. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today, George Meridian. For four consecutive years now, Emmy-nominated cinema photographer, talks to a career spanning some 30 years, including work in film and television, most recently in the hit series According to Jim. George, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's very much appreciated. Well, your uh, career has been uh, quite amazing, uh, starting back in the late 70s. And I believe from a earlier conversation that we had that that uh, was initiated by a very long drive to Los Angeles. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, um, it, it was quite a drive to uh, follow my dream and uh, cross the mighty Mississippi and end up in Los Angeles. Um, but it was something I had to do. What was it that really initiated the idea of getting into the entertainment industry? Well, um, growing up, I, um, I made my little movies uh, with my family in and around Atlanta. Uh, my dad was Canadian, and we would uh, go there every summer for the holidays. And um, one of the summers we went to the Expo in Montreal, and I, something happened. I, I saw some incredible movies and cinema that I'd never been exposed to before, predominantly the Czech films and the film, National Film Board of Canada. And uh, it just really uh, put something inside me, ignited something inside me that uh, it was a, a career that I wanted to follow. Again, this was when I was uh, a kid, and uh, I sort of uh, pursued that. Uh, my college studies led me uh, towards cinema school, which was uh, Ohio University. And uh, from there, I, uh, I met Vilmos Zygman uh, at, at a photographic workshop in Maine. And that, that gave me sort of a tangible plan uh, that uh, prompted me to, to make the move out. Um, but that, that was also a, a, a turning point, meeting Vilmos. Now, was that uh, the, the impetus to take you behind the camera, or had you considered other, uh, other parts of the business? That's interesting. Yeah, I, uh, my dad is, is, a, is a closet uh, actor. It was always in him. Uh, 
to be in little theater groups, and uh, his he says his claim to fame was re- being in a John Huston movie, which was uh, filmed in Macon, Georgia. He had a, a, a little role there. But no, I, I uh, it was always behind the camera. I, it was something uh, visually that I wanted to do to tell stories, and I was always fascinated by composition, by lighting, by interacting with people, uh, actors that uh, I would never become an actor, but but being a collaborator with them. Now, by, by 1981, uh, you were an assistant camera uh, position. Yes. And, of course, you uh, were uh, working in the film Escape from New York, the Kurt Russell uh, filming. Yeah. Uh, what was it about that film that really en- encouraged you uh, towards the idea of becoming a director of photography? Um, well, that was... Um, we didn't realize that it would become such an iconic film, but um, I... Uh, it was an incredible opportunity to uh, work on it. Uh, a friend of mine was uh, also on it, Clyde Bryant, and uh, I think what really um, excited me about it was that it was my first anamorphic movie, uh, and which means it's sort of a wider screen format, and it, it really excited me uh, even more to... Uh, tell stories and to visually compose and light with this format. And um, we, we shot in St. Louis for a lot of the night exteriors. And also Atlanta, uh, we shot in the airport, the new airport, before it opened. So it was a chance to be on location, to uh, work with Kurt Russell, also John Carpenter, which uh, really opened me up to uh, New Horizons. I want to meet this Duke. You can't meet the Duke. Are you crazy? Nobody gets to meet the Duke. You meet him once and then you're dead. That must have been an amazing film to be on. For Kurt Russell, was it a changing point in his career? I think so. Um, super nice guy. Uh, you know, I think he came out of the Disney, uh, some of the Disney programs. But uh, really, I mean, who would have thought Snake Plissken would be, uh, you know, a uh, character to live forever now you you came out of that and uh, you were your next big role was of course the 1987 uh, prisoner of Rio the Ronnie big story um, what is it that you you uh, worked at in between those two films to keep your motivation and, and steer you um, ever more towards the the camera well, in between those, I was still, um, I was assisting on, on bigger movies, and um, between that, I'd, I was making my transition into operating. In the camera department, there's, I think, four categories, loader, second assistant, first assistant, operator, and then director of photography, and between uh, those two dates, I was uh, in those transitions, and... Uh, it was it, it was exciting. It was, it's it's always a bit scary to leave one of the uh, categories to move up, which is what I did uh, when I moved to operating. But I'd met the director of uh, Prisoner of Rio on a movie that I, that I assisted on 
called The Flight of the Spruce Goose, and it took place in uh, outside of uh, Pittsburgh, a uh, coal mining uh, story, Polish director, but I was the assistant on it, and uh, we hit it off, and uh, my friend, the DP, was off shooting uh, another scene, and uh, I ended up uh, shooting something for Lech, Lech Majewski, the director, and he liked it so much, he offered me his next movie, which was Prisoner of Rio, but uh, to test me, because I'd never DP'd a show before, he had me go down to uh, actual carnival in Rio de Janeiro and uh, see uh, how I handled that. And uh, it turned out very, very well. I, uh, I didn't sleep for a week. I was up all night. I, uh, I shot carnival, uh, the Scuola de Samba, the Samba schools, the drummers, with uh, one little camera, the Airy 2C, and two lenses, a 300 millimeter and a 9.8, two very extreme uh, angles. And uh, I bled. I uh, got so close to uh, some of the glass beads. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, the footage uh, turned out very well and uh, got good compliments from the Brazilians who said they'd never seen such a... Uh, intense footage before. So from that, uh, I got my uh, offer for my first DP job with, uh, with LAC. And moving on from that, George, can you tell me what is it like to uh, move from assistant camera to that huge responsibility with the, both the uh, visualization uh, and also the, the, the technical skills that are required as a director of photography. That must be quite a, a shock to the system. Is it something that uh, can at first be quite scary for anybody? Uh, very scary, and you find out uh, that it's uh, about, I'd say, a hundred times more involved, more uh, <laughs> thought-provoking than, uh, than the other categories. Uh, I mean, when you're assisting... It's very important also, uh, you have your responsibilities, but uh, a cinematographer, it's so much more magnified. A lot of intangible things also that happen that you have to make a, a, a lot of decisions on. And uh, it's, uh, it's hard on your, on your personal life also, but... You know, I had a, just, a, a, again, a burning desire that I had to progress and, and move, move up, and uh, I, I couldn't help it. So it, uh, when I got offered the movie, I, uh, I went for it. But um, some people have uh, you know, high, higher overheads. Uh, there's, there's reasons where they're not able to move up. But, uh, I mean, I, like I said, it, it can take a personal toll also, and it, and it did, did for me, and uh, there's sort of a, a sick joke that, uh, that, that goes around that uh, you're not really considered a DP until you're on your second wife, <laughs> and that basically <laughs> sort of what happened to me. We're best friends still. We have, had kids, but uh, it, it's really true. Um, uh, that movie I did in, in Brazil, I was working basically 24-7 uh, on my off days. No off days, really. The decision, scouting, 
planning that that had to be done. What uh, about what about the, the the methodology? Sorry to interrupt. What uh-huh. about the methodology that you have to adopt uh, that stage when you move into the DP role? That necessitates that you have to understand the story structure uh, and the the pairing of the visualization uh, with that story writing. Is that something that you uh, you took up as a as a as a mandate once you moved into that position, or were you more involved in in that early part of your career and just ensuring that the the technical expertise was nailed? Right. Um, <clears throat> So when I was coming up uh, as a second, as a first, uh, myself, uh, internally, I tried to think like a DP, not only uh, the limited uh, responsibilities I had as, a, as an assistant, but uh, to myself, I would uh, try to set up scenarios where I would uh, create situations of what I would do as a DP, and... Uh, that that really helped in my transition, but but still, it's nothing I learned in really in school. Uh, school was was a little more uh, fantastical as far as uh, uh, a situation for uh, being a complete filmmaker. It's com- it's very different than the than the real world, but. Uh, Definitely, every every show that I that I get, I, I learn something, I observe, but it really it doesn't quite prepare you for when you're actually doing it and having to deal a lot of politics, a lot of uh, you know, collaboration, a lot of decisions, working with the actors, knowing how to to give them security, uh, being anticipating, uh, planning, planning ahead. So uh, it's a very expensive proposition, but uh, hopefully your prep time with the director uh, and the assistant director makes things go smoothly. But they, they, they never do all the time. So, again, you have to be improvisational. A lot, lot of things uh, go into it. But uh, I tried to prepare myself before I made the transition. And, again, the transition is not, not a, a real finite black and white. It, it, it was over the course of a few years. I, I never thought of myself as a DP uh, after that first job because I, you know, who knew me? I had to go back uh, operating or assisting and slowly as I got my other jobs, I think it was five or seven years later when I really felt that, okay, I'm, I'm a real director of photography now. Yeah, and uh, of course I was going to introduce the 1990 Dick Tracy uh, directed by Warren Beatty, where yeah. you were now second unit camera operator. Oh, look what you did to your pretty tuxedo. Big boy, ain't we pals? No pals in this business, Lips. You taught me that. Sign it. The deed to the club, Ritz? That's right. I'm going into show business now. You're dirty, Lips. You need a bath. Not the best, not the best, big boy, not the best. What is is that journey that you have to take going from the DP on the the Prisoner of Rio and and then moving to 
a second unit camera operator is that a move sideways or is that a move downwards for a, for a short while well for me that particular film it was a move to nirvana uh because Storaro has always was and is uh my hero and uh have gotten an opportunity to work on that as as an operator as a second unit sort of dp even dp operator was incredible uh i mean on on say a regular film it could have been considered a lateral or a a, a backwards move but on this project every head of department department head was an academy award oscar winner from the uh costume designer Milena Cananero, who we named our daughter after. We have a Milena. Victorio, of course, Richard Silbert, the production designer, Warren Beatty, on and on. It was an incredible experience that I didn't, I didn't want it to end. But uh, it did when I got a call for another DP job and I, and I had to leave. So, again, the bottom line, I guess that did take precedence. But uh, uh, I learned a lot from Victorio and... Uh, and the, the whole working ambience. What was it like to work alongside Warren Beatty? Uh, a lot of respect. Uh, he, I, I really respected him. His sensibilities, his work ethic. Uh, he's not just a pretty boy. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I wish he uh, did more movies, but um, he was on the ball. I know before each take, each scene, he'd want us to... Uh, load up with a new magazine, A Thousand Feet, uh, which is about 11 minutes of film, To because uh, his, his method was to keep the camera running and, and do take after take after take and, until he got the performance he needed. Uh, so it was trying on some of the actors, but that was his uh, method, and uh, it definitely worked. There was also um, not a little tension, but a... a, a a style of, of the way to shoot of, of the way to shoot this comic book movie. Uh, Victorio sort of had had his vision, and in uh, Storaro had his, and Beatty had his also. Beatty, of course, wanted longer lenses to look uh, a little more pleasing, and uh, Storaro was uh, more with wider angle, wanted to go that route to give it more of a comic book feel. But they arrived. You know, at a, at a common ground, but uh, uh, Warren's close-ups always took as much care as uh, as Madonna's. Um, you, and, you you must be able to, in that position, standing alongside and yet displaced, be able to analyze somebody like Warren as a as a human being, and also in a role where here you have an amazing actor, and yet you have somebody who's in a directing role. And I, I always wonder how that works for them and how it works for the crew around them. I always look back at uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, the, the famous English actor, who yes. then there was always somewhat a controversy around his ability to be able to act and direct at the same time. And I think, of course, there was, there was a, a lot of um, discussion about that. Uh, did you see how that, uh, that worked on that film between uh, Warren Beatty, uh, the camera, and, and the, the acting paradigm? Yes, I mean, you're right. I, I've, I've uh, been around several uh, sort of actor-director uh, 
situations, and and Warren was uh, really no different. Um, of course, uh, the video assist was uh, forever relied upon, um, and uh, he uh, you know, consult, consulted with uh, Victorio and uh, some other people about uh, about the performance. But he but he would always uh, look at playback, and uh, I don't know if it slowed things down, but um, that's the way it was. But he was very meticulous with everything, very. And he uh, made sure he got what he wanted before he moved on. So um, he, yeah, he was very particular about about everything, and uh, the same with his directing. So uh, yeah, I can remember him uh, doing doing a take and then looking around and saying "cut," and then he'd you know walk <laughs> off the yeah. set yeah. and uh, look at himself on the on the monitor, and if he liked it, uh, you know, we would move on. But, uh, I, yeah, I, it, it works out. It, it, it works. I, I had the great privilege of uh, um, joining Michael York on the program a couple of weeks ago. We, mm-hmm. were, we were talking about that, that ability to be able to immerse yourself as an actor uh, in that situation. And... And of course, one of the most magical characters, I'm, I'm sure, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I think he's the, the greatest artist of, of actor immersion. Um, and you you look at the you look at that uh, um, situation with Warren acting and directing, and you, you you wonder how that immersion works, how they manage to maintain uh, the. Uh, the ideals of of being the character and yet having to be analytical and methodical um, behind the camera. It it must be uh, um, quite a challenge and uh, uh, it certainly takes great expertise to be able to accomplish that. And and, and that I guess that's where I'm going with this, is that I would love to be in your shoes to be able to, to see that occur. Yeah, I think it's within those certain actors that become directors, the Robert Redfords, the Clint Eastwoods. I probably, as they were coming up, they you know observed a lot of uh, great directors that they that they work for, and I don't think every actor can can do it because it is uh, you know major multitasking. But uh, I think I know Clint and uh, Warren. They surround themselves with. Uh, people they know, the crew, like Warren had, had used Victorio over and over again. So I think that gives a certain comfort level and a good sounding board. Uh, so I think that helps also. I uh, I also worked with uh, uh, Mario Van Peebles, and, and he was a director-actor. And uh, on that one, he really, I mean, I went to his house every day. We mapped everything out, major prep, and he told me he was going to rely on, on me for a lot of it, whether he even looked at uh, playback or not. So that, that relationship, that dynamic worked really well uh, for that situation. I was uh, a big part of it, and he trusted me, and you know, he saw the dailies, and uh, it went smoothly from there. So it did, that didn't hold us up so much, the uh, analyzing or the playing back. So I felt very important 
on that. That movie was called Love Kills, so that was another uh, actor, uh, director, same with uh, uh, Warren and Victorio. This was clearly a very important time in your career, uh, a, a huge area of transition. And, of course, by 1994, you're now um, second unit uh, DP in Color of Night, the Bruce Willis film. Um, right. And, of course, you're working alongside Lohman, uh, the, the principal photographer. Uh, how, did, how did that work, George? Was it more about being mentored by him as that principal, or were you working in partnership? I would say more in partnership. By that time, I'd, I'd done... Uh, several action movies, I'd sort of come into my own. So I felt uh, more as a partner with him. Uh, I had uh, a body of work by that time that showed that I knew how to shoot and um, and handle a crew, uh, the angles, the action, working with stunt coordinators, except, et cetera. So I felt pretty comfortable on that. And uh, that might have been more of a lateral move uh, because uh, I'd been shooting a little bit more b- by then, but um, it, it was it was fun shooting uh, uh, the car sequences, some of the stuff on uh, we shot on Century Freeway, and uh, uh, that felt uh, a little more comfortable for me. So I would say it was more of a partnership. Now, of course, you have this huge experience in the the film arena and uh, by 2004 uh, you're now um, contemplating the, the the work in television with the, the uh, wonderful sitcom according to Jim with Jim Belushi uh, now are you as a uh, director of photography having to relearn your craft uh, are there things that you have to go through uh, personally uh, and in a technical um, area that uh, th- that has to shift your focus, shift your mind. Yes, uh, <clears throat> that this uh, that transition was uh, was like another growth uh, period for me. Uh, uh, the film business is, is is there are some striations or seg- segmentation to it. Television, film, and within television, uh, there's single camera, multi camera. Etc. So uh, I'd really never done. I'd never done multi-camera. That's that was a whole different uh, genre that was uh, pretty foreign to me, and uh, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. Actually, in fact, I, I, I said I didn't want to do it, but <laughs> circumstances uh, moved in that direction, and uh, I. Uh, that story, that transition story, is, is, is interesting. What, what, it, what was the reluctance behind that initially to move into the tele, television arena? Well, I thought, um, you know, it might, it might be less of an art form. Uh, it be less edgy. Uh, it might be less interesting or creative for my muse, my, my cinematography. And uh, uh, I just didn't know whether I wanted to cross that Rubicon to, uh, to move into it. Um, I had a, a friend, uh, uh, Jim, who uh, first uh, introduced me or called me about it, and 
uh, you know, I was, I was doing my movies, very interesting. I was traveling around the world, uh, working with different directors, etc. And um, he, uh, he made a proposal to, uh, you know, try it out. Uh, he said, George, you, you'll get a steady paycheck every day. You'll, you'll get to uh, see your kids every day. You can walk to work, and uh, you know, your family life will be uh, will be set. For <laughs> some of the uh, thoughts that he, plus you know the idea of, of making people laugh and working in an ensemble, kind of in a, a family situation where the word is uh, is very important. Uh, how the humor and the comedy go together. So um, I sort of was more and more won over, but it still took a, an act of God almost to get uh, the heads of ABC Disney to uh, accept me uh, as doing it without the experience. Very hard to break into. Uh, if you're trying to go from TV to film or film to television, it's hard to uh, get into uh, something that you, say, don't have the resume for. Now, was Jim Belushi extremely uh, helpful? Uh, Extremely. I would say now that I know how hard it is to do that, he was unbelievably helpful. I have gratitude beyond uh, for him. And uh, uh, it was his responsibility for these last five years. Uh, we'd done three movies together before is where we got to know each other. And... Uh, uh, Made Men, one of the canine, the dog movie, and and, and Justice, kind of a, a courtroom uh, police movie. So uh, we had uh, uh, a, a respect for each other, and uh, he uh, he you know submitted me for uh, doing his show, which was uh, <laughs> interesting. Well, as a result of this, of course, uh, your career led into the Bill Engvall uh, show. At this stage, George, you are now working on the According to Jim series, uh, and now you are overlapped into the Bill Engvall uh, um, show. My goodness me, your life must be busy at this stage. Last year, it was uh, so busy. The busiest I've ever been, the most lucrative it's ever been. Uh... Life is good. Accolades are coming in. <laughs> My family life is great. I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've freelanced uh, all my life, and there's always the insecurities, the ups and downs. Uh, great ups, great downs. But uh, the last uh, five years, it's been uh, something that I've never uh, really experienced. And uh, I have to say that I, I like it. Um, the security, and uh, again, our life has changed. We're in a beautiful home. We always say TV money, TV money, but it's true. Uh, I'm, I'm the, sure. I'm sure that the whole family uh, is focused on these programs. I'm sure they're terribly proud of rerunning these every night. They are. Um, Mom and Dad. Uh, my, all my kids, my brothers, my sisters, they couldn't be prouder. It's, and it's funny, it, it took this. I mean, a lot of my movies before were independent, you know, say smaller audience. I wouldn't say mainstream, per se. I mean, this, what 
I'm doing now is totally mainstream. It's studio level. It's, it opened up a lot of doors. Um, I, I didn't realize there was a world like this. Uh, again, I can't get too soft. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I am ready to, to go back into the trenches, so to speak, when I see some of my movies and, and other films in the theaters, it just, uh, I do have a strong, strong yearning to, uh, do something like that again. Uh, we'll just see where, 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 uh, the universe takes me. But, uh, that's, that's what's been unique in this multi-camera world. My sort of single camera movie sensibilities, uh, they seem to like that. We've, we've brought, trying to bring different looks to the show, um, and maybe that's why it's been recognized, but uh, it's uh, melding the two it has been uh, fun, and uh, it's it's not as easy as it may look. Uh, the multi-camera world it's, it is uh, considered you know not not the strongest uh, art form, but uh, and, I beg- and, and and I was going to say, and sorry to interrupt, George, but I was going to ask you're going from single camera in many cases in the film world to multi-camera is that is that uh, diluting the aesthetics for you is it diluting the engagement with form and composition uh, and making it more analytical it can yes i mean on a general note yes it can dilute your vision your photography major because uh you know you have four points of view four cameras you're looking sort of in opposite directions so uh it's it's a struggle to make make everything look interesting with uh with mood with modeling with uh a place of uh a time and place and i try to motivate the light i try to give it a sense of direction uh a sense of uh, location and uh, again, it's not considered as important as as the acting, of course, and, and the words and the funny. It's all about the funny. But when I can bring something to it and tell the story also with light, with composition, with tools that I've used in single camera, I, it, it enhances it. And all these nominations have uh, used different things that I've brought to it, car photography, Lightning strikes, cranes, green screens, etc., that um, I incorporate into some of these shows, and uh, kind of heightens everything, uh, which I like. But um, it's always uh, I'm always uh, trying to motivate uh, uh, the light and uh, the, the cinematography in this world. Let's listen to an extract from, I believe, the last program. Heaven Opposed to Hell, which uh, features Dan Aykroyd and Jim uh, in heaven. You've got to give me a ride home. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. All right, I know you don't like it when I hug you around the waist. I'll put my hands on your shoulder. <laughs> no, no. Uh, l- listen, man. I got some good news and some bad news for you. Great, great. What's the good news? We're going to be hanging out together all the time. Yes! What's the bad news? We're dead. <laughs> see you later. I'll see you at dinner. 
heaven. Take a welcome bag. Enjoy heaven. Take a welcome bag. So with this, George, you're now in this uh, uh, amazing environment, uh, learning so much, learning about the technical expertise that you have to take on uh, in television. You're learning about how people work around you. Uh, may I put this to you? If you look at actors uh, who work on the stage, they are very much influenced by their audience. Uh, it, it, it changes their, their dynamic greatly. And of course, you've been in the film, film world where um, actors have to suppose that they have an audience uh, that is going to be appealed by what they do. How does that affect you as a director of photography in your thought process? And in particular, I'd like to direct this question towards that television environment. Um, how is both the actor infused by what they're doing and infused by their humor, particularly in According to Jim, and, and how does that affect you and how do you uh, interact with that? Yes, um, we have a week to prepare, uh, to prepare for the show, one week. Monday's usually a uh, production meeting, maybe a, a table read, uh, a run-through, and then progressively through the week you have rehearsals, revisions of the script, and uh, I'm watching all of this, and, it's, and it is, it's all towards Friday night when the audience comes in, and that's what it's all about, how, how this will perform. So during the week, I'm, uh, I'm watching rehearsals, I'm making notes, I'm uh, lighting sets, uh, figuring out angles, and uh, again, to facilitate the actors to be as uh, least uh, intrusive as I can, and, and to be 110% ready and prepped by Friday night. You do not want uh, any distractions or anything technical to go wrong. You want all the bugs, all the shadows to be worked out uh, for Friday night. And yes, you see some good stuff during the week, the, uh, the acting, the funny, etc. But it does. When the audience is there, uh, the, whole, uh, the whole set, me, everybody, it's like live. And uh, it, it's electric. And the performances change. And everything just gets uh, more exciting, more uh, amped up, I would say. And uh, everything gets a, a lot better. And I can, I can feel it and see it. And uh, I'm there, again, to keep things running smoothly. I don't want anything technical. Don't, you know, I don't want to be surprised by uh, them stepping into a dark hole, say, or... or uh, something, a mismatch, it's, uh, we're there that whole week to facilitate and make the uh, Friday evening as smooth as possible, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed and enjoy that aspect of it, and uh, afterwards it's great to talk and eat sushi and uh, you know, just relax from it, but I get butterflies even uh, every week in, in this television world where on films, I, I sort of get over that after two or three days of shooting. I've sort of settled in, and 
Uh, I've seen the dailies, and we're in a good groove. But with this television world, I'm, I'm still, which I guess is is normal. I, I guess I, I sort of feel like an actor myself. But uh, I, I just want to make sure everything is, is in place proper and, again, to facilitate uh, the actors. And if I can uh, add uh, my vision to it, uh, I'm very happy with it. Um, Every uh, show has basic sets. They're called you know, the basic everyday sets. And then they have things called swing sets, which they may have a bar, uh, an airplane interior, uh, car interior, etc. And that's those swing sets is where I, I really get satisfaction out of also because I, um, I can play with those and, and bring my lighting and color uh, to that. So... Um, that's where uh, you know, I, I find my nourishment, so to speak. You know, that final program, Heaven Opposed to Hell, uh, yeah. that, that amazing uh, synergy between these two fine actors. In fact, I would go as far as saying um, uh, real genius. What is it that you notice about these actors when they walk out of their, um, their insulated rooms prior to, um, to coming onto the stage? How do you see them? Are they in a different world at that stage? Because it amazes me. My 11-year-old daughter, she loves According to Jim, and I see her uh, <laughs> doubled over with that program. And it's that's humor that we see in, in something like that last program. It must be amazing for you to experience. That must be a huge privilege. Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, week after week... Uh, but this was uh, the absolute last show of the series, of the season. So uh, it had you know, extra, extra special meaning. Um, and these two guys, you know, they, they came out of uh, Second City. They came out of Saturday Night Live. So that, and a lot of the, uh, the people they cast are from those schools, at least in, according to Jim. So... Uh, there's a lot of history, and, and did I learn a lot about uh, comedy and timing from these guys? They're they're so so good. I mean, I I could listen to Jim talk uh, forever on on psychology and timing. It's fascinating. Do you do you stand there behind the scenes and often find yourself laughing uh, during these during these shows? Yes, and uh, you know it's okay to laugh, I, which is another thing that I had to get used to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the, the actors uh, they like uh, laughter from the crew, from uh, the writers, to give them a sense of uh, timing and stuff. Uh, where on a film set, it's absolute quiet. So th this is like it's still a little bit odd to me that we can make noise. I mean, in the right <laughs> places during <laughs> during a taping, during a filming of the show. Uh, but that set uh, that you, uh, it, it was um, my uh, sort of inspiration was from uh, Heaven Can Wait. Again, I guess another Warren Beatty movie that Bill Fraker shot. And that was, I think, the third heaven that we uh, realized upon to, that, uh, that, made, that looked, looked right. We had a couple of uh, cloud uh, drop uh, backings that uh, didn't, didn't work. So what... What we see there, I mean, the radio audience could see it, was our second or third uh, backing. 
and I had a lot of lights up above, and I wanted to give it scope. We had cranes, jibs, dry ice smoke in the bottom. I was very, very happy with the way that turned out. Uh, again, I could get very wide, I was cinematic, which uh, I really enjoyed, and uh, it felt very film-like to me. So what is it, George, having looked at all these wonderful extracts and all these wonderful projects that you've been on, inspires you most? How has it uh, changed you uh, as a human being? And where do you see yourself going? My goodness me, um, four years running now, uh, nominated uh, for an Emmy. Um, do you see yourself remaining in the television uh, world or, or possibly looking at film or what, what are your, what's your scope here? You know, um, I am, uh, I'm wide open. I'm, a, <laughs> uh, to whatever comes my way. I, I have to say that I'm very glad that I have television on my resume and I, I hope that continues and I'd like to, uh, do both actually. Um, but you know what I would, uh, really like to do? is um, shoot an episode of According to Jim in 3D. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, this has to follow on from our roundtable program. Yes. I, I've, I've given you all of these ideas now, George, haven't I, about it's, 3D? Uh, I give you the credit, absolutely. Do, do, do you not think that that would be an incredibly tough proposition in a television setting I surely in in a film like Avatar right. uh, it, it must be extraordinarily difficult to, to achieve that there yeah. but obviously now you have a multi-camera setup I guess in a way that would be extremely challenging but but in many ways uh, very very dynamic if somebody tried that out I think uh, it would enhance uh, that experience so much uh, because, in general, a lot of uh, the multi-cameras appear flat. Uh, again, just the nature of, of uh, seeing in all directions and the cast needing to be lit well. But uh, in 3D, uh, you could you know, go inside the sets and uh, immerse yourself. I think the biggest obstacle right now, would, is, which is probably always an obstacle, is the, the financial end of it. The budget for making it happen. There, there's equipment and, uh, and technology out there that uh, I could do a show tomorrow. If well, I have to inform you that Panasonic has just come out with a consumer-led 2D camera for twenty thousand dollars. Wow. Whether it, whether it's on the market yet, who knows? And it probably wouldn't be any of any use in that situation. But well, I would be interested in the makeup of the shots, um, typically with, with according to Jim or any of those uh, uh, shows, you, you're, you're using sequences of cuts. Uh, could it be that if you were using 3D, 3D that you could look at fades uh, to enhance that feel of immersion in the show? I, I think it would be fantastic, yes. It would, it would really help because I struggle with that every day to, uh, again, give the sets dimension to give uh to give it atmosphere and um the idea in in, in multi-camera or, or comedies of situation is 
you don't want to necessarily break the fourth wall. You know, this sort of three-wall sets. The fourth wall is the audience. But if you could move that fourth wall, say, into the set, immerse yourself, and uh, it would be uh, everything I would dream about. You must look back over the uh, some 30 years now uh, from your very first job, uh, looking back to Escape from New York, uh, and now look at this position where you've been in film, you've been in television, you've had this amazing career with Jim Belushi, and, and now we're talking about 3D in this situation. Is that... That must be an enormous road for you. Can you actually believe how technology has advanced over that period? No. Uh, my dream back in the day was to do was to shoot a 65 millimeter movie, which is 70 millimeter. Uh, David Lean, 2001. That's <laughs> that's what I wanted to do growing up. I thought that was the ultimate. In fact, on Dick Tracy. Uh, Aeroflex came out with a 65-millimeter camera that Victorio and I tested. It's called, the, I think, the 765, and we shot a scene for, uh, of Dick Tracy on it. But back then I thought to capture imagery with, with the largest uh, format at that time was like the be-all, end-all. Now, uh, <laughs> now uh, 3D is really interesting for me. And uh, I just read about it every day. There's, in the Daily Variety today, there's an article uh, about it. Um, uh, CES, uh, what a Consumer Electronics uh, Symposium in Las Vegas. That's all they're talking about is 3D, S3D televisions, on and on and on. So I still believe, I think, the revolution will be in television uh, as much as film, if not more. Uh, and we all read about dedicated networks now for in 3D. Uh, the World Cup, I cannot wait, uh, uh, in South Africa, uh, broadcasting in 3D, the opening game between South Africa and Mexico. Uh, I will be there. Well, just, just remember me when you go and pitch this to Jim uh, that his next show has to be 3D. <laughs> I will. Over a cup of Earl Grey. Uh, a cup of Earl Grey, yes, that that would be super. Sensible. I'm drinking that now. I'm not making you uh, homesick, am I? Uh, uh, very, uh, very homesick. So please don't <laughs> do it to me. But uh, th that must be uh, an enormous opportunity for you. Uh, you know, at one stage I can remember when I was studying film, and of course the the objective, the dream, was always. Uh, the 70 millimeter. I can always remember thinking to myself, my goodness me, I, I wish I had been uh, in a film like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um, and now, isn't it amazing that here we are 30 years later, and of course that film was made many years before that, that now we're talking about 3D that is a completely different technology. And of course, at this stage, hasn't been tried and tested in, in the studio environment, and maybe you'll be one of the first to do that. But it seems to be um, simpler in a way. Uh, it's it's a technology that is going to become available very quickly. Yeah. Um, how is it that you think that you can contribute to that uh, yourself? Yeah, uh, by, I, I I would love to contribute, and I hope with my openness and uh, I, I like to uh, not take risks, but uh, 
explore the frontiers. And uh, I don't know if anybody's thought of trying to do a comedy of situation in, in 3D, but <clears throat> it's, it's an idea I'm going to push and, and, and rally for. Um, again, I know uh, the technology's out there, and uh, you know maybe maybe Avatar is uh, is our Lawrence of Arabia, or that uh, you know after that it'll just open up even more. One often one often considers what it would have been like if directors like. David Lean or Hitchcock had had the 3D technology. I mean, there was Hitchcock in a way um, uh, immersing with his work, or uh -huh. certainly using the premise of, of drawing the audience into his films. Um, and, and now we have a technology that, that does that. Um, I'm sure that those, those directors would be having a field day if they had this equipment. With it today, yeah. I mean, there was 3D back, you know, in the 50s, etc., I, I probably wasn't taken as seriously. Maybe it was, you know, the, the Vincent Price, House of Wax, uh, horror-type movies, but I, I can't imagine David Lean even considering it for, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or, or Ryan's Daughter, you know? I, I, it seems to be maybe, you know, Cameron really made it more into a serious uh, art form. I mean, up until now, it's been the animated movies, the uh, Final Destination, etc. Uh, I wonder when the Spielbergs, the Martin Scorsese's, the Francis Coppola's, the Bernardo Bertolucci's will will take a hold of it. I hope I'm there to shoot Martin's first 3D movie, though. Well, so do I. Um, and the immediate future for you, George, what are you going to be doing now um, over this coming year? Well, in the immediate future, this is... Uh, Pilot season is getting is getting ready to rev up, uh, probably February, March, April, and, and the word is that there will be a glut of pilots. So I'm hoping to uh, get on a few of those, which is kind of your lifeline, lifeblood for the future. Uh, if a show is picked up from a pilot, you hopefully will be asked to go go along with that. Um, so I hope to do a few pilots coming up. Um, uh, I've been, a couple of friends have called about movies, uh, I'm up for a couple of movies. Uh, it seems like you have to be up for about ten things, or hear about <laughs> ten things to get, to get one. And that's, that's the way it, it's turning out. Um, but uh, there, there may be a film going to Detroit, On the Ropes, a, a true-life boxing story with... Uh, a director friend who did Forbidden Warrior, he's, he's asked me to do that, um, about a sort of paraplegic boxer. And uh, another friend, uh, John Curry, has something that uh, he was able to obtain a credit through the Calif California tax uh, credit. He, was one, he got one of the 20 or 30 uh, films that he's doing that, uh, he's, that uh, he's hoping to get off the ground. So, uh, and besides that, I'm going to a soccer tournament tomorrow with my son. My daughter has one in a couple of weeks. Uh, soccer, soccer, soccer with my kids. Uh, school is back in session Monday. Um, I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, seeing uh, my first grandson, if you can believe that. Uh, so I'm very also family-oriented, which does go with television, 
it definitely gives you structure. <laughs> George Meridian, thank you so much for being with us today. I congratulate you on your nominations for the Emmy Award and certainly hope that you um, find your way to, to winning one of those very, very soon. It's been well, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, as they say, a nomination is, is, is just as good as a win. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. For our listeners, thank you for joining us today. I do hope that you have enjoyed this time with George Meridian. If you would like any information on this or any other program in this series, you can visit davidgibbons.org. And if you would like to comment or provide feedback on this program, I'm sure that uh, George Meridian today or any other guest would be happy to provide you with a response. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.